This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. calls for aid and Brog shall answer I'm on Dean buffoonery is kindled welcome back to like the beacons a Lotro podcast that also devils in books movies gaming and the lore of Tolkien JRR this is episode number 65 and I am your host Bragg of the Lonely Mountain the Sultan of Shield Swipe the Earl of Agro Rubble Rouser and Dwarf of Ill Repute Broadcasting live from Temporary LTB MEWHQ atop the carcass pile of Grim Reaver in Scumville. Why am I here? Good question. Sometimes, if you really want to know a place, you've got to crawl down into its stinking underbelly, figure out where all the pipes and sewage leads to, feel the carrion and gore of the place to know its true name, and live and breathe in its rotting stench. Or, I just need the deed for the Hounds of Scumfill yet again. FYI, one of the coolest things you can do in the fight with Grim Reaver in Scumfill is, uh, you may remember he's got the giant knockback that will send everybody off the pile of carcasses. And you will go flying through the air and break your leg, having to run back with Grodbeg chasing you and nipping at your heels. One of the coolest things you can do in that fight, if you're a burglar, is to be quick enough to hit your safe fall skill uh, in mid-flight, so that when you land, your leg's not broken. Uh, I'm starting to see things moving in the piles of rotting flesh that look familiar. Kind of like a late night rerun of Reanimator on TBS. We'd better move on to our next beacon. And I am going to shake my head. I, I, I'm just going to fess up before this episode even begins. I'm exhausted. I had quite a weekend here in Moria. Uh, we had a party of unexpected magnificence on Saturday night. And uh, I'm doing a special Sunday night edition of uh, Light the Beacons, uh, but I am tired. <laughs> so I got to get myself psyched up. I've got to do some chair dancing and stay awake. Uh, but the other way to do that is to move on to our second beacon. Second beacon of Elinok, a review of the agenda as usual. We'll first deal with a lot of CREP, corrections, retractions. And apologies from last week. Last time out, we offended anyone with even a modicum of decency, even if you uh, happen to have realized it was April 1st. Uh, as good a time as any, discuss last week's hijacking by my <clears throat> slacky, the deplorable Mr. Wormy T. Um, why do I keep falling for this? I, I, third year running. I, I can't explain it, so I won't try to. Uh, but uh, to all those that were offended by the episode, Grima has something to say. Don't you, Grima? Sorry. What? Sorry. I can't hear you, Grima. I said I'm sorry. There. Now, is that so hard? Uh, 
Viewer comments, uh, iTunes review. Let's check the leaderboard. We have a new high score. The last review of this podcast was left by No Nicknames Allowed on March 9th, 2017. So he currently has our high score. And No Nicknames Allowed, who is also known as, I uh, don't know, uh, writes in from Canada, our neighbors to the north. He says, hello, longtime listener, first time reviewer from Vancouver, a place I hope to visit shortly, home of Rush and Pipeweed. Er, yeah. So I've been in the game since the beginning, and as a result, have listened to a number of Lotro podcasts over the years. Over time, some have stayed, some have gone, all have changed as the game have played. I've listened to Light the Beacon since it started a few years ago. It was a rough start, as I recall. Yeah, I believe it. I thought about dropping my subscription for probably the first half dozen episodes. Wow. Uh, but then it started to come around. Now I'm glad I stuck it out in the beginning. I've always enjoyed the humor in your podcast. Loved April 1st, and your recent quality improvements have been great. Thank you for spending the time to do this. It took me a while to appreciate that you had a reasonable depth of knowledge about Lotro, and I was able to pick up occasional tidbits of info here and here. That doesn't happen much on other podcasts. By the way, I can appreciate your Worm Scale Cloak Challenge. I did mine the hard way with Dragok, and it was disappointing to me that it was later offered in Layla's Market to any schmuck with enough currency. It was a mark of distinction at one time. And in an attempt to be constructive, I will say that while we seem to have similar tastes in games and maybe of a similar age, I will often skip the segment on other games if it's more than a few minutes, not at least Lord of the Rings related somehow. Uh, you seem to have plenty of content for each episode these days, so my recommendation would be to consider keeping this segment short. Just one guy's opinion. I'd encourage you to not to back off of topics that are aimed at more advanced mature players, as I think LTB might be the only podcast that's reaching that user segment today. Casual stroll left a vacuum in the Low Trail podcast community that has never really been filled, but I would say LTB is on the right track and could fill that void. They were integrated with the community. They weren't afraid to try new things. They didn't do it for ratings. And advertising, donation dollars, etc. But because they were passionate about it and the results showed it, uh, they were never boring or cliche. So thanks for your podcast and good luck moving forward. No nicknames allowed. Thanks very much for the long, uh, constructive, and well-thought-out missive. I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, a lot goes into it. And, uh, you know, I think all the podcasts out there do it for a love of the game now. But they try to reach different audience in different formats. And uh, I'm always happy when... Something I do is a little bit different and uh, hopefully filling in a niche in the community somewhere for tasteless humor and uh, other odd tidbits. And uh, so thanks for writing in. Listener feedback. Nada out on the website concerning our third annual April Fool's Day episode. Uh, I guess people were too disgusted by it to read it or to write about it at least. Uh, Twitter sphere. One or two folks that appreciated some of the release 20 updates notes I mentioned in the last episode. And uh, another piece that I'll talk about in Forums Insider. In the community spotlight, the Lotro Beacon had no idea what to make of the Grimacast, clearly. Uh, but they did mention it when it came out. Um, and I did want to talk about one other thing really briefly. There was a, an LPN article on the problems with Update 20 published by Arid a few weeks ago. And uh, there were a fair degree of comments on it. Um, one commenter said if they wanted negativity, they would go to the forums and hoped it was not a trend. Um, so I kind of understand that point of view, and I don't at the same time. In my mind, the article overall was fairly balanced. 
Yes, it pointed out flaws with Update 20, but most of them are valid points. It also lauds the high points of the release, such as the session plays, specifically calling them out as uh, you know as interesting and fun content. It also made suggestions for ways to improve things potentially, uh, so it was constructive. Uh, one thing we do know is that Cordovan and maybe even some of the devs are aware to some degree of LPN and its influence, so why not use it and let them get some real feedback? So uh, I thought the article was balanced and fair game. Uh, I understand some people get tired of the negative commentary out on the forums. Uh, you know, have to remember that's the vocal minority and uh, take it with a grain of salt for that reason. Forums Insider. So what? Uh, so there's been a lot of uh, feedback about the anniversary episode or the anniversary event that's coming out. But I'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. Uh, one other thing I did want to mention was knocking about on my lore master and uh, lamenting once again a skill that I used to enjoy in the lore master, which I no longer enjoy. And uh, I wanted to see if anyone else had said anything about it, if there was a similar opinion. So I noticed some articles dating back over the last one to two years discussing various issues with the build of the lore master since they revamped the trade trees. And uh, some of the issues I didn't even realize were a thing, but reading through, I do agree the class has been neglected for some time now, and I'm hoping they find time in the expansion to spiff up some of these items. But my biggest gripe is about the following. I don't want to go off on a rant here, but uh, the lore master, as you know, has four, at least four, lore-related uh, skills. Let me see if I can name them off the top of my head. Frost Lore, Fire Lore, Air Lore, which you would put on your tank as a damage reflect, and Wind Lore. Uh, and Wind Lore used to be one of my favorite Lore Master skills. The class trait revamp eviscerated this skill, which formerly had so much going for it. Uh, it used to be a 50% reduction of range damage for multiple targets. Uh, and it, this was, in my mind, kind of an example of situational use of a skill at its best. This is why you want to play an LM. You have to, you know, look over the tide of battle, the combatants you're facing, where they're arranged on the board, and make a decision on how best to deal with them, right? LMs can't take lots of damage. They're pretty squishy. Um, and if you happen to be up close with melee and a bunch of guys, those are your priority. But if you have a bunch of ranged mobs that are taking pot shots at you while you deal with the melee attacks, uh, you can go down pretty quickly. Well, this was a great skill that you could fire off. You could target um, kind of the central figure of the ranged DPSers, and it would affect all those people around him and do damage reduction 50% until you had time to deal with them on a more permanent basis. Um, according to the tooltip, the tool now hits a target, one target, for a 1% damage reduction. Are you A, B, C, D, E, effing kidding me? What's worse, there's a trait you can pour points into to have it stack up to three times. Yeah, I hit three skills, and for, my, for all my efforts and all the cooldown time to go through those, oh no, a 3% damage reduction. Sweet sassy molassy, head for the fallout shelters. Why? You took a beautiful and useful skill that was different and interesting, and you utterly destroyed it. So instead, we can do one more DPS button mashing, I guess. Hashtag restore Windlore to the days of yore, so I don't deplore you. So in this week's action-packed episode, we are going to, as always, talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks. We're going to briefly touch on update 20.1 release notes, for whatever reason 
or for whatever's there. We're going to talk about the current endgame in the wastes now that I have a little better handle about what's going on. And lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will pad out our runtime with useless and boring filler material. So let's move on to our third beacon. Nardal, this week in gaming and or other Tokyo news. What is going on around the world? Yes, I uh, appreciate the viewer comments about keeping this segment short. I do agree that sometimes I do tend to run on, but if something's interesting to me, I will talk about it because that's what makes podcasting interesting. You have to follow your muse. Uh, other games, Pokemon Go, Nope, DDO, Nope, Secret World Legends. Who knows about this? Secret World recently announced that they are going to transform the game into an RPG with revamped combat and more accessible trade systems. Interesting. Those are the two areas I always struggled with with that game. It's hard. Uh, the trade system, I don't feel like I really get it and know what I'm trying to accomplish. It's confusing. And the combat was boring. Five buttons. Uh, three of them, which basically do the same thing, and two extras. You know, you can't even have all your skills up. You have to choose five out of the 12 that you've uh, been able to identify or learn to date. Um, didn't like it. So, uh, Secret World Legends is going to be coming out, I believe, sometime this summer. And it's in beta right now. And uh, it could be interesting if you're... It, it, uh, Secret World is a great atmosphere. It's got a great story. It's got a uh, different setting, a real change-up. Uh, it's got a lot of things going for it. And for those that like the old MMO setting, uh, you can still play that one. Although one would think this would kind of divide the player base between the two uh, between the two games. Um, so there may be less people in-game if you do one or the other, potentially. But uh, Secret World is a game I am kind of interested in pondering about with from time to time. So I will continue to noodle on it. Uh, what else has been going on? I've been playing a lot of Overwatch recently. <laughs> Um, still getting a lot of enjoyment out of that game. You know, I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything, but it is good, mindless fun. I've uh, been trying out Tracer, Junkrat, and Wittermaker uh, as my current maybe top three favorite characters to play right now. Uh, and they are all fun in all very different ways. Uh, what else have I been doing? Oh, found a hum humble bundle a few weeks back for the PS4 which I hadn't seen frequently before I've, I've bought hum humble bundles in the past for uh, the PC but never seen one for the PS4 and for $15 I got like <clears throat> I think maybe seven games for the PS4 since I got the PS4 for Christmas don't have that many games for it uh, it was nice to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit and give uh, some of the baby dwarves around the house a little more to play with one of the games that we identified is called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which I think was the free game for your PS4 uh, subscription for last week. <clears throat> uh, fun little title. Uh, co-op play. Uh, you can play it with an AI character, but much more fun co-op. You're two little guys inside of a kind of a little Earth round spaceship uh, running up and down ladders to all the different controls. So there's like six different control stations in the spaceship, and there's two of you, and you basically have to run around and be able to switch back and forth between the stations to make it move, to make it shoot, to put up a shield, uh, to, you know, adjust your armor or velocity or shoot a cannon or whatever the case may be. And uh, basically, uh, the two of you are running back and forth all over the ship crazy trying to handle all the different controls um, while you're navigating a very interesting visual space with, you know, fun sound effects and graphics and uh, really interesting premise. So, um 
enjoying that game quite a bit and a fun one to play co-op with your with your baby hobbit in the house give um lovers in a dangerous space time a try the graphics are it's kind of a 2d scroller but with a very different spin on it and uh enjoying it quite a bit Oh, what else? Uh, movie trailers came out recently for Thor Ragnarok, and uh, some people call it Ragnarok. I like Ragnarok myself. Uh, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. Those are two movies that will be very high on my list for summer viewing, along with Guardians of the Galaxy, which comes out next week. So excited about all of those. In Lotro, what have we been doing? Um, hey, the Spring Festival that's passed since last I talked, since Grima interrupted me so rudely this past time out. Holy crap, they revised the maze in the Northern Brie Fields. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's not that much different. It took, you know, maybe a minute to figure out the new path to exit. But, uh, you know, hey, they finally changed it. You can't, can't complain too much. So uh, they didn't move much, but they did change the exit to get out and, uh, you know, anything. So... Uh, it took me a minute to realize the new pattern, then then uh, was followed immediately by boredom. I'm not a huge fan of the maze. I've done it enough in the past. But with run or two of every maze quest and some shoe stomping and horse runs, I got the horse, which was just okay. Uh, not up to recent standards, but it was fine. Uh, the moth kite that was available for the Spring Festival was kind of a neat... Uh, kind of a neat cosmetic but i decided i did not need it that badly since bragg has like three other kites right now uh though the dragon one i've seen uh, actually looks pretty awesome so bragg has uh completed all the content for the waste isn't that end game along with some slayer deeds to finish up more of this later and uh also completed a throne raid tier one with Bragg for the first time. I joined, though, right after the Mumak fight, so I'll have to go back and finish those off uh, to get the deed for that. But uh, I got a token on the final boss chest uh, for a shield drop, which kind of minimizes... There's a nice shield that's available from the Pelennor Fields vendors and uh, kind of minimizes the need for a new North Athelion shiny gold shield, but I'll probably end up getting that at some point anyway. Uh, my mini has been working the wastes as well. Uh, you know, I've been rerunning the session play for Gollum with my alts, and uh, one thing I forgot to mention last time out, uh, and I don't think this is a spoiler, it's been out for, you know, weeks now, or not, not months, I, don't, I can't remember, but uh, the one skill that Gollum possesses on his quick slot bar is totally awesome, and when I read it, I, if you haven't looked at it, do, do the session play again, make sure to mouse over the one skill that Gollum has that is grayed out, it is hilarious. Uh, best skill ever. Uh, my Cappy's been pretty dormant of late. He could use some love. He'll be heading into the Waste shortly. Loremaster actually completed the Waste Epic for the Class Trade Point and started the Lang Ruin series of quests, which I'll talk about more later. Uh, my Berg has been running some of the latest uh, featured instances. Uh, so since they changed up their rotation, four of the ones that are in the new rotation, Sword Hall, See the Great Goblin, Fight to the Lonely Mountain, and the Lost Temple, uh, all instances that my Berg has never done. So I always like getting uh, tunes that have not finished some of these instances in uh, on the on the featured instance runs uh, in order to complete some of the deeds. Um, although I will ask, could you please incent people somehow to consider 2-2 challenge for some of these instances? I mean, the Sword Halls was such a joke. It was absolutely ridiculous. The monologue by the Black Rider at the beginning of the instance takes longer than it takes to kill all three bosses combined. And, uh, you know, they're toothless. It's pretty sad. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's nice and quick and easy and you get your reward, but um, please incent people to consider a tier two challenge, at least in some cases. I uh, did notice uh, I did a bunch of upgrades in my Berg. I uh, got rid of the last of his non-essence gear, replaced those with essences. His subtle stab from stealth now is doing between 30 and 45k uh, damage on just that one initial blow, which is, you know, enough to kill um, most mobs you're going to find on the landscape in one blow, which is kind of fun. Um, so I didn't know that that skill got that effective, and I'm sure there's some premium bergs out there that might be doing 50k plus at least on some of those, if not more, um, which is a good reason to play your berg. Uh, yeah, I upgraded three pieces of essence gear for a nice little bump in stats. That's nine essences applied across three pieces. So, um, in a better place now. I could actually probably do some tier two content with him, I'm sure. Hunter and Bjorning have gotten a whole lot of nothing. Uh, my champ is level 62 and completed much of the Flaming Deeps as I follow the epic story through Moria. Uh, so, uh, you know, was having fun with the champ, but was not exactly mowing down my enemies. Uh, as so many people describe the champ doing and I am over leveled for the burning deeps at level 62 I think it's like a level 58 area um, So time for a gear check and I did notice that uh, uh, I had not replaced my legendary items since I acquired them at level What would it be 45? <laughs> um, and I had four second age 60 level weapons sitting around my vault I, that I'd forgotten to take out after I turned 60 and uh, so I've got all those slotted now, and my damage output increased by, oh, about 40%, which should help. That's more like it. My RK, RK is level 53, and he's been idle. My Warden is level 36 and has been idle. I want to make sure I forget absolutely every gambit the Warden has before I, you know, I want to make sure I forget everything completely before I move forward with that character. It's, that's the most effective way to level Wardens. From what I've heard and in other Tokyo news, I have heard nothing. So let's move on to the next beacon. Time to shake my way awake and head to Aralas. I'm going to talk briefly about the release notes for 20.1 because there's not much there. So it's important to focus on it. Uh, first of special note, the 10th anniversary scavenger hunt. Our new anniversary scavenger hunt begins on Thursday. Waldo Rumble requires your assistance at the party tree in the Shire. Complete scavenger hunts each week to earn rewards and celebrate 10 years of Lotro. So, obviously, that's the biggest thing that came out. In addition to that, there are a few smaller things, which I think are, you know, not big deal, but worth mentioning, maybe. Uh, there was a crafting problem with update 20. Uh, the large bundle of dagger lad provisions and the small bundle of rangers positions recipes for the cook um, had a misset of ingredients. They now require a single ranger's journal of dagger lad cookery each to craft. Uh, whereas previously, I think they required multiple, which made them basically unusable or not not very smart to use. That's for sure. So they fixed that. Um, they fixed also. Uh, Crafting recipe for uh, Ranger uh, Taylor's recipe for uh, padded Gondorian garments. Uh, there are new emotes available. The Stoic Pose, no longer incorrectly gated by having Hero Pose. I'm going to have to find out how I get Stoic Pose, because I don't think I have Stoic Pose. Interesting. Uh, Book 8, The Black Gate, has been added to the deed for Epic Volume 4, The Strength of Sauron. So as you logged in after that, you should have noted that in your deed log. Uh, there was an issue in Dol Echarn 
uh, in the wastes where uh, if you approach that mountaintop, your screen would get kind of brighted and washed out. I thought it was actually a pretty cool effect. Uh, but I, apparently it was unreasonably bright previously. And uh, they fixed it now so that it's only reasonably bright, apparently. Um, it mentions that in the waste, the correct map now shows when visiting Langruven. I didn't know there was a map for Langruven specifically. And various missing map notes were also fixed for the waste map, so that should be more useful. In the Dead Marshes, the dread of the Dead of Dagger Lad, the reeds have been adjusted so you can once again approach all the apparitions required for the Dead Marshes. Interesting. And uh, uh, in the Lowlands Reflecting Pool, the solo version of the Red Pass instance now specifies that it is a solo instance. I was like, eh, great. Didn't realize why that was a big deal until I found out the Red Pass solo instance was to be part of the anniversary quest that uh, came and got activated on Thursday. Uh, Mirkwood quest. A cornered foe defeating Shattuck's guards very quickly would no longer prevent him from attacking you. Time has also changed slightly on some of the prisoners' lines to speed up the ending sequence. So I had to look this one up because I couldn't remember who Shattuck was. Uh, he is the orc um, that is in the giant spider cave at the northern end of the Scuttledells. So there's an instance in there where Gollum is being chased down by orcs and uh, you interrupt him being captured and he gets away. So that is the quest that that refers to. Uh, the Cape of Belfast Homesteads now has its own map with street names displayed, which is helpful for those of us who are still thinking about looking for a house there eventually, which I might at some point do. And lastly, under miscellaneous, your character will no longer turn black when jumping in water. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Good, man, because that bug was racist. So, uh, let's move on to our fifth bacon. Yeah, why not? Let's have some bacon. For Minrima. Now, instead of our regular sponsor spot, we have a public service announcement. What does it mean when you hear people calling out for RT runs in World Chat? This is a new service introduced by Turbine. Turbine, a few updates back. RT, in case you were wondering, actually stands for Res Circle Tour Guide. Middle Earth is a confusing place. Often you don't know where to go or who to ask for directions or help. So, the next time you're in a new zone and want to get the lay of the land, figure out where all the res circles are, just find your closest res circle tour guide and he will be happy to show you the quickest route. Just tap him on the shoulder and he will have you on your way as quickly as possible. You will recognize RTs via the special tour guide penumbra encircling their head in order to make them easy to spot amongst the other mobs on the landscape. Res, res Circle Tour Guides, making Middle-Earth friendly again, just like the Friendly Skies of United. The Sixth Beacon of Kalanhad, a review and discussion of Endgame in the Wastes. So, uh, it took me a while to get this topic because... What am I doing? I'm running into a wall in the game. You ever, like, flip over, and then, like, you flip back, and your guy's, like, running forever into the side of a tree with a little knot in it sticking out a branch to catch your head we're heading over to weather top in game i had to leave the scum fill was filling my nose 
so this took a while to get to, but uh, I needed to work my way through the end game and the waste to understand a bit more about it. And in case you are not quite there yet or still working through it, I want to talk a little bit about it and some of the things I'd noticed. So after you finish all the local quests in the waste, you eventually end up in the slag hills in front of the Black Gate of Mordor. This place desperately needs a vendor to buy your crap and repair. Um, don't know why they don't have that yet. Uh, so once you're done with all the local quests, you can start on the repeatables. And these you will need for rep, especially if you did not use accelerators, because there's not enough rep to get you through, what is it, three additional tiers uh, that came out with the upgrade. Speaking of which, um, you guys may remember that there were some rep item farm issues upon first release. So basically, uh, in Langruven, mobs had a high drop rate for the bartered rep items. And people were forming, uh, forming up 24-man raids, going right into the middle of the tents in the first area where all the mobs were. And just sitting there and randomly, you know, the spawn rate was quick enough where you could just constantly be uh, ranging uh, the different mobs and having them run over to the group. And just having them, like, absorbed and spat out, bones spat out the side. And uh, basically it was a rep farm. And the only comment I have about this is... Uh, you know, really, Turbine? <laughs> You've done this several times, and uh, you know that the player base is going to do this if you allow this mechanic, and somehow they let it slip by. So, um, you know, they changed it. Uh, I think the first week, within a couple days, there was an update that uh, lowered the drop rate of the rep item drops from Langruven, so that you couldn't do that anymore. Um, you know, but... I got absorbed into a group at one point and sat there for, I don't know, half an hour just mashing my buttons and collecting junk. Um, you know, it, it seemed like the thing everybody was doing. I didn't want to get left out. Pretty sure it's not considered an exploit since it was intended by the devs, but understand also why they adjusted it soon after. Um, so... There's a problem with the way these repeatable quests in the ways are structured to unlock both the solo and group play uh, resource instances of Squarunk and the Tower of the Teeth. So the quests of Langroven have three waves of quests. Um, and one of the quests in each wave unlocks the next wave. Uh, you know, I, you have to figure out which one is which, right? But normally you'd go in, you'd do all three, you run back to the Slag Hills, you go grab the next three. Uh, and none of these quests are really dangerous in large numbers if you stick with the pack when you go in there. You know, most people form raid groups of at least 12, if not more, more the merrier. Because most of the mobs in Langruven are in between 125 and, you know, 500k morale. Uh, it's meant to be a group area, much like we've had in the past with places like um, uh, the blah, blah, blah in Wilder, no, not Wildermore, in the Great River when you had Limlight Gorge. So um, none of these areas are really dangerous in large numbers if you stick with the pack. Uh, in the first wave of quests, one of them is a horse quest. You have to escort a horse out of the area, and every time, you know, anytime there's a mob in range, he'll aggro him, and he'll go over and stand there until you kill it, and then he'll run a little bit more, and he'll aggro on another mob and stand there until you kill it. And you have to make sure the horse doesn't get killed. 
So one of the things that was a problem was in our group was that uh, people weren't realizing that everybody had to click on the horse, not just one guy activating it, uh, because you would not get credit for the quest on you unless you specifically clicked on the horse yourself as well. So that's a, a tip for you. So the biggest problem with this three waves of quests in Langruven is since you need such a large group to be able to complete them, uh, it's very difficult to find a group that's all on the same page, that all has the same quests. Uh, what I found is that, uh, you know, I joined a group, they'd already done some of the quests and not some of the others, so they did like one or two. Some people were on the first wave of quests, some people were on the second wave, some people were on the third wave. Everybody wanted to do their stuff, but you kind of, you know, they would splinter off and like go to areas where the other pack didn't need it, um, you know, just to burn a tent down or range a guard in the tower or to get the horse or to start the war party and not everybody would be on the same page and so you know I'm a guard right I go in and I try to solo some of the stuff and some of it I can actually solo as a guard uh, for example the war party I was able to beat as a guard by myself with no one else's help uh, in redline um, which you know seems to defeat the purpose but the so the point is that um, the way they structured it with each quest unlocking a new wave of quests and requiring multiple passes into the region, grouping up with a team that all had different agendas, it took me weeks to get through it because I never found a group that was like, I'm starting with the first quest of Langruven and I'm going to do all nine until I'm done. Because you need 12 people and they're all going to be on different pages. They're all going to want different stuff. So I was with one group where we saved the horse, which requires you to escort it all the way out to one of the exits. And we go back in. You know, some people dropped because that was the only quest they needed. Some people joined, right? And guess what quest the new people that joined needed? The horse. So we ran back and we escorted the horse again. Then some people dropped. Some people joined. Guess what we needed? The horse. We did it a third time. I'm, all I'm doing is waiting to get past it so I can get to the war party or do some of the other quest areas or find the Numenorean black sorcerers or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was sheer inefficiency. And, uh, you know, for that reason was kind of tedious. You know, you're getting some rewards, obviously, and doing this and doing that. But, you know, I think there's a better way to structure the quests when you need that many people to complete them uh, so that you're you're not having this issue because you know I had one or two quests I couldn't find a group to finish it took it took weeks um, you know eventually completed those soloed all the quests I could under Carcost and Narcost in order to open up the other piece and then uh, finally uh, in the past week about a week ago finally found a group that needed the two quests that I needed to complete in order to unlock the fellowship instances so let me talk a little bit about those instances um, Quest of the Towers of the Teeth, uh, which is the easier, wait, is, yes, it's the easier of the two instances, just so you know. Um, you know, it's basically uh, generally a tank and spank, though you have to be a little careful. There are some areas where if you pull everything in the area, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Um, basically, the, there's one mob that has an unnaturally long stung and a stun and that is the assassin and if you pull a huge group even as a good guard of like you know 10 or 12 guys and you get an assassin stun right at the beginning of that pull you're going to be out for a good seven to ten seconds and you might be dead before you can even trigger any of your skills at that point 
So uh, look out for the assassins. They're the ones that cause that. Either mez them, take them out first, whatever you need to do. Do because that long stun pole was really the only problem I ran into in that instance. Uh, the rest was pretty easy. And then there are sorcerers that spawn the terror. So it's always nice to get them next so they don't have a giant uh, wave of the um, haunted spirits uh, joining the fight. Uh, the next one was the quest of Squarunk underneath Carcost and Narcost, the tunnels. And this is about as dangerous as a raid level trash pull uh, on level for 105. You actually need to be careful of what you're doing. Um, excuse me, Belchin. Dwarf Belchin. Uh, it's conducted in very windy passages that obstruct visibility. As a matter of fact, there's actually quest text that will light up that, that will tell you that or warn you of it. And the big danger in this instance are the defilers. So if those of you guys have been doing this instance, uh, the defilers, basically, if you get them into melee, they do, um, they do a poison eye above your head. And it's a disease that is basically insta-death for almost any melee class. I think it hits for on the order of 40k plus uh, for everybody that's that touches it and everybody that's standing around them and they can wipe your party pretty darn quickly. So the defilers are very dangerous. Um, use of uh, you know use of CC is definitely very relevant for this instance, especially the uh, the the minstrel song of distraction. If you can put a song of distraction on a group so that you can pull uh, just the defiler and keep him at range, or pull everybody else and leave him for last. Uh, definitely the best way to handle it. Uh, there are areas, though, that have two defilers or more in some of the pulls. So you need to watch out for each one of those and have a strategy that's talked through ahead of time on how to handle them. Actually requires the group to communicate with each other. So I enjoyed the increased danger level for the Squarunk instance, but I found it to be a little long and grindy after a while. So you have to be so careful with each pull. Uh, as a result, I think people run the Towers of the Teeth more and uh, I'm not sure how much I will run Squaronk personally uh, given how long it takes to do and how uh, kind of dicey it can be if you don't have a good group and here's the other piece that I was reminding every time I run the instance now you need to call out because there are people that are just opening it up that they need lock picks to loot the final chest because there's a lot of people that go into the instance that don't know that and uh, if they get all the way to the end and they don't have the lock pick that's a drag and it brings some relevance, of course, to the flora extracts of the wastes. So next is the reward system, which I find confusing. Uh, first of all, there are rep requirements to open up the different awards that are available from the provisioners, the armors, and the weapon uh, weaponistas, I'll call them. And <clears throat> you can gain that rep through either the rep item drops from mobs or from crafting them crafting them and changing whatever you craft in to the barter vendor to produce some of those rep item clickies. And uh, so I'm finally seeing some reward again for having an Orion level crafters in all professions because I can craft these uh, rep items. Um, and I'm just now starting to get brag uh, in kindred in some of those new uh, wastes barter vendors. And, uh, you know, the problem is I'm not sure what to try to hang on to versus barter. You know, I heard someone tell me, oh, this one's harder to get and you need more of them to trade in. So you want to hold on to those and not click them for rep and only click the other ones. You know, so there are some ins and outs of the system. For example, 
I think the provisioners, um, you need a bunch of provisioner rep clickies. Uh, they eventually have gold jewelry that's available. So if you want two earrings or two bracelets or whatever, since you need two of them, you need more of the trade-ins for those. So it's better to hand in the click rep clicks from the other areas and save those, apparently someone told me. And I probably can see that logic. Um, so I started using rep accelerators for these, even, even for just leveling one character through all these. And I'll have to figure out, I still haven't figured out if I can barter everything from my main once he has uh, kindred in all the different areas or if they'll be bind and acquire which I think is probably likely so uh, I don't know yet whether I'll need others to get rep to deal with uh, you know the camper host of vendors or if I can do some or all of it just through brag and be able to hand it out to the other characters that's something I am gonna have to uh, piece through over time so um, I like the idea, of course, behind having the new resource instances. I love the grouping opportunities, and they were fun to do at least once. If I'm going to have to do them a ton, uh, you know, I think I wish that the uh, mechanism to unlock them was a little more straightforward and that uh, the rewards were a little easier to, um, to figure out. Um, you know, I think whenever the player base has to come up with guides or, you know, the only way to figure something out is to watch world chat and see people complaining about it then you know that's a little bit of a problem this is something where a dev diary uh, before the update came out might have helped matters significantly but that's my opinion what do you think and uh yeah i think i'm done wait what's that on the horizon Yes, unbelievably, it is a bonus beacon coming to you uh, with an episode that I had already crafted. Uh, and then the 10th anniversary discussion hit. I said, I can't have a podcast and not talk about the 10th anniversary. So we are doing a bonus beacon. And I will call this beacon uh, George. This beacon's name is George. And it's about the 10th anniversary. So I would be remiss if I didn't comment on the 10th anniversary of Lotro. This is a nostalgic time for all and a significant industry milestone for certain uh, that Turboin and Turboin and now Standing Stone Games should certainly um, you know, take the time to appreciate. For those of us who have played for most of Lotro's lifespan, our characters are like family at this point with a strong sense of self-identity wrapped up in their little worlds. I've had some frustrations over the years and some peaks and valleys with my enthusiasm for the game, but all in all, I don't know that I will ever spend $200 for so much value again in my lifetime. It really is incredible how much fun I have had and some of the great relationships I've built and enjoyed with the community over the years uh, for that investment. So I joined the game just prior to the release of Minds of Moria. So I received my little blue orb emote this year. Um, when I came out, when the rewards for the anniversary came out last year and I saw the blue orb, I was sad that I did not qualify for it because uh, that's a pretty cool one. So uh, glad now that I have a blue orb. Um, just took one extra year to get it. I looked ahead to the 10th year awards and I was a little bit underwhelmed. So I, I don't think there's too much to look forward to for next year. I think it was maybe some cosmetics. Uh, I can't remember for absolutely for sure. Um, so some of you guys may have noticed so nine years in the game some of you may have noticed this is an elf load of time 
And, uh, you know, there are very few things in my life I have done for, oh, and by the way, before I get into this, I should say that uh, I've started to do the scavenger quests around uh, the anniversary event. And my initial feedback is I like the idea of visiting places of the game. It's very much in alignment with the celebration of the anniversary and the nostalgia you feel that you've played the game so long. I always love it when they give you an opportunity to go back and look at some of the uh, older zones in the game and make them relevant to your character. So all in all, I applaud the scavenger hunt idea. Uh, as you know, there's been a little elf storm in the forums about... Um, about the fact that lower level characters cannot reach some of these scavenger hunt areas and so it's really meant uh, if you want to complete them for the higher level characters and you know turbine apologized for it but said you know that's basically the idea you know so um you know i'm sorry if you don't have any characters where you can enjoy the content but uh you know the whole idea was to visit zones of the game and if you've only been to three zones you know because all you have is a level 25 character then you know, obviously, you can just go out and run the original content, I guess. I don't know. But uh, there were people complaining about it. And I will say one thing. When I heard that Lotro was working on something special for the anniversary event, uh, I think the scavenger hunt is a neat idea, but it falls a little short of my expectations. I thought they would do something more on the scale of, um, you know, a Bilbo's Haunted Burrow or a Winterfell location. You know, something kind of major and permanent as opposed to a series of, you know, fetch and visit quests, basically. Um, so, you know, I think the quests are complicated. There's a lot of objectives there, a lot of different places to visit. I'm sure there's a lot of work that went into it. But I was actually thinking there'd be some kind of, you know, mini game or area that would be special for the anniversary that they would bring back every year. So, so it felt a little bit short of my expectations in that area. So as I was saying in the past, there's very few things in my life I've done for uh, over 10 years. Um, you know, I could go through a list of things. Let me see what comes to mind. Uh, you know, I've been a father for over 10 years. I've held a job for over 10 years. Uh, watched The Simpsons for over 10 years. I don't know. Um, what else have I done for over 10 years? Well, self-gratification comes to mind. Done that for a long time. And now that I think about it, Lotro and self-gratification have a lot in common. Yeah, they do. Have you ever thought about this? I, You know, my mind works in strange and mysterious ways. This is where I went. I apologize in advance. So here are the top 10 ways Lotro is like self-gratification. Ready? Number 10. Both allow you to live out your fantasies and release tension. Number 9. Both are much easier to concentrate on when you're alone. Number 8. Both benefit from being uh, from having a strong internet connection. Number seven, both are fun when you're doing it, but usually feel a little guilty when they're over. I mean, who wants to see their slash played time? Am I right? Number six, the rewards can be underwhelming compared to real life, but for some reason, we keep doing it anyway. Number five, both can be enhanced through use of cosmetic outfits. Number four, both activities can be ruined by hitching and rubber banding. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number three, both can be enhanced by purchases from the store. <laughs> Number two, both can be considered standing stone games. <laughs> and the number one way that Lotro can be like self-gratification, both can be a real grind.
All right. So, you know, I was actually intending to make a serious statement when I started out about, uh, you know, the 10th anniversary event, uh, but I couldn't help myself. I, I Can I just apologize now for this week instead of waiting until the next podcast? I'm really sorry. But that brings us to the seventh beacon of Halifiri, and It's time to close out. It's time for blessed relief. I'm officially putting a little mauve-colored bow on the 65th episode of LTB. It must be time for me to retire. 65 and still alive. I would love to hear your plots, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at braggsonofballon at gmail.com. Let's brag with two A's. The second A stands for allspice, my favorite spice girl. On Facebook or Twitter at braggsonofballon, or my website at lightthebeacons.com, where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes review, like no nicknames allowed did this week. If perchance you're so inclined, I very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast, or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before. Or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. And for the 10th anniversary of Lotro, celebramos! This is Bragg, son of Balan, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you realize that your Lord of the Streams title qualifies you as a master baiter, don't despair. Light the beacons. <laughs>